my friends, Annie Lobert here, Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective. Today is part two with our dear friend, Dr. Nisi Hamilton. Nisi Hamilton is a survivor, and she's also a speaker, creator, lifestyle influencer, survivor of human trafficking. Nisi Hamilton is an award-winning expert in the field of human trafficking, a field she comes to with five years of pain experience as a survivor of human and labor trafficking. With her multicultural background, Hamilton is committed to encouraging diversity and inclusion, making a difference in the decriminalization of human trafficking, poverty, and homelessness with minors. I'm so excited, Nisi, that you're back. I, I'm glad we made it happen somehow. Next time's got to be the studio, but let's <laughs> talk about you and what you're doing. I know we last ended on your little boy, okay, calling you saying, Mommy, I miss you. Can you kind of tell us, you know, what you were thinking and feeling in that moment? And describe your boy. It's his name's Chris. I got to meet him. What a blessing. Uh, and he's precious, by the way. He's absolutely precious. What were you were feeling inside when you got that phone call? And how are you, you were planning to make his rescue happen? Um, I felt an increasingly overwhelming amount of anger, uh, distrust, more exploitation, betrayal uh, at its highest form of betrayal and um, disadvantage. I felt like there's no way I'm going to win this uh, using any type of uh, strength, uh, using any type of force. I am going to have to use my mind to get out of this and I really love that pressure that God put me under because that pressure he was he had sent me through training like it was a special operation this was training I had to go through espionage professional espionage to get my children back and I went and learned everything you could learn about law everything you could learn about uh just the judicial system, how it works, who works it, who are the power players, what does it mean, What? how does each court operate, how do the judges operate, what type of attorney to get. And I went and taught myself law and ended up working as a paralegal for an attorney. Oh, wow. And um, that attorney name was Julie Ketterman, and she is an amazing attorney. She's awesome, and she's a family attorney, and um, she was actually my court appointed attorney when the case got reopened. And she said, you know what? I think this case will work out better mm -hmm. if you tell your story, not me. Wow. And this was, this was a white woman. I, I had never, I had never seen that type of authority or that type of access to authority before in my life. And, and I learned, uh, cause Annie, we talk about it all the time. We say, look, if, if, if you're white and you're not using your white privilege to build somebody up, then you're doing it wrong. And I remember that was like a powerful lesson that I learned that this woman engaged me with her superpower, allowed me to 
take a step into her world and look at what happened to me through the lens of the court system and see what went wrong, see where I went wrong, see what was said wrong and see how I was not protected. And then I was able to get some justice from all of the injustices that had happened to me. Wow. I I can just see you in the courtroom going up there, the the speaker. And then she's telling you, tell your story. And is it the first time you actually got to share what happened to you, how you put that into words? Well, you know, when you when you first tell your story, you know, it's it's, it's always going to be in that affidavit. That's that's the premise. The judge reads the affidavit. You you send your um you know, whatever you're going to sue for, you know, if you're going to change uh, authority, uh, SAPSAs usually is what it's called in the state of Texas, which is a suit affecting the parent-child relationship. So if the parent-child relationship is changing or there's something new to add, then you add that in there, you submit that to the judge and they determine which court it falls in. And uh, that's very risky. That's that's the biggest risk. What court it's going to fall in and what right. type of judge you're dealing with. Because some judge... Some judges are mama judges where they believe all kids should be raised by the mama. And some judges are father judges where they believe, you know, the father should be raised, uh, should be raising, you know, the children. And you got to understand this was at a critical point because I'm raising boys. These were boys uh, that I were going after. And and this was tough, you know. And um, I kept thinking to myself, you know, it's one thing to tell your story, Annie. And like how you and I are talking, but it's another thing to tell your story as it relates to family code and what you're allowed to say. How is the court, you know, in a position to process what's going on at that particular time? Because you can't bring up criminal aspects in family court because family court doesn't hear it. Family court doesn't handle criminal issues. They only deal with family issues. So I had to have the burden of proof even in family court about my position, about being, you know, my kid's mom and why my kids should stay with me. I had to prove all over again, this time, different system, different court, different judge, different language. It's all about language. And that's why you need attorneys because usually when people represent themselves, it's not that it's a bad thing to represent (laughs) yourself. It's just that you don't know the language. And I had training, you know, and by the grace of God, he trained me. That they, that was they the could use. Apostle. Yes. Right. They could use whatever you say against yourself, even though it was put in the way you wanted it to be presented because you thought it was the correct way to present the story. They could use that one word against you. Like I prostituted myself. Oh, hold on. You prostituted yourself, huh? Instead, maybe you would have to say something that would what your lawyer would direct you to say. That's more appropriate for the court. Right. Right? Well, I mean, the truth came out. I was sex trafficked. Right. And, and to say you're sex trafficked in family court, that there needed to be proof. And so what, what we were able to do for proof was that in 2014, when this case blew up, the judge at that particular juncture, she made all of the fathers, because all my children have different fathers, she made all of them take DNA tests. And because they decided to submit DNA without attorneys, they didn't have attorneys either. They submitted DNA through uh, the court without attorneys. That DNA then became automatic admission of guilt to everything yes. that had happened to me. Because right. you got to remember, I was having these children at started at 15 years old. And that's how the story was told in family court. 
Wow, that's amazing. So what what prompted you to start Survivor's Voice of Victory, which obviously you are no longer I mean, we're not, we don't come out of this to be victims. We don't stay in the victimhood. Not at all. Can you speak into that? Like speak into that, Nisi, because why did you call it Survivor's Voice of Victory? I, w- I want to say something because, Anna, you just Girl. triggered me. You triggered me every time. We didn't come out of this to be victims. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I have never met a rich victim. There is no such thing as a rich victim. God didn't mm-hmm. even make victims. What he did was because of sin, he made the law. And because of the law, he made commandments so that we could abide by the law, introducing us to the commandments through Moses so that we would no longer be slaves, but so that we could be sons, so that we can adjust to principles and a way of life and his reality for us. And I just want to say a survivor's voice of victory is exactly what it is. It was a survivor's voice that was victorious throughout all the city of Houston. And I wanted to make sure that that was everybody's mental conception about who I am, what I'm doing, and why I'm commanding a response from people from what I'm doing. Because I'm a survivor, I have a voice, and it's victorious. I wanted right. to make sure I was clear, you know, and and the problems that I solve with the survivor's voice is food insecurity and resource insecurity in fence line communities. And, and you know, fence line is such a uh, it's it's a it's a word that was used, you know, early, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. And it was it was a word that was used to describe, you know, predominantly African-American communities that suffered the most, you know, your poorest neighborhoods. Right. Um and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to partner with people like the Bread of Life here in Houston. They call it Beyonce's Church, uh, St. John's and Pastor Rudy and my, my brother John and, um, and the, have great partnerships with people like Procter and Gamble who have supplied me with everything it is I needed because of those partnerships. I've been able to give away over one million dollars in resources. Wow. To victims, potential victims and people who are living with these disparities so that I can reduce the insecurity of food and resources. Right. That is so amazing. You know, I I like how you say, you know, survivor's voice of victory, because when we talk about in the context of being a a victim of human trafficking, I don't like to say I was a victim. I always try to focus on I was, I was, that's in the past. I'm a former, right? So the, the words are so important with context. And so we were talking earlier about court. What did you just do in Dallas? I saw some pictures of you getting on a plane. You were like, I'm a queen. I'm going to go do some queen things. And I probably paraphrasing it the wrong way. Then all of a sudden I see the next picture, which was this morning. I was like, hold up. Oh, homegirl went to court. What is she doing now? <laughs> Opening her mouth to make change. So what happened? You know, you you never think that all those years of me being in court fighting for my children, it was because so, God was preparing me to be in court to fight for other people's <laughs> children. 
And so that's exactly what I did. Um, congratulations to the mayor of Dallas, as well as the chief of police and uh, my right hand man and and partner and co-laborer, um, city councilman Adam uh, Bazaldoa, and for electing me to be chair of the task force that basically responds to crime reduction for Dallas. Wow. I, you know, th- this was this was so important and impactful. January is National Human and Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. And I couldn't be more proud than to get a city ordinance passed because of three bills that got passed in honor of my testimony to those bills and in, in, in to the sexually uh, oriented business and the industry as it stands, you know, some components and some weaknesses in their business models have been exposed and they wouldn't have been exposed had those bills not gotten passed. And the position that Dallas has taken is, to make sure that taxpaying citizens are protected as well as having enough, you know, officers to service the city. Absolutely. That is a huge Absolutely. component to crime reduction. Right. I think right. it's very important, especially during the time of war. I mean, I don't think people are thinking about, you know, w- our economic situation that we're in right now and how we have to use resources we, you know, use our own resources to be a resource in our own cities and, and, and facilitate those needs and things like that. Closing the, the sexual oriented businesses from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Is, is that what it was a, about? Oh, man. Yeah, because that's you know, you what it was think, about. The ordinance. OK, the ordinance. Um, this is this is huge uh, because. TABC, which is the Texas um, Alcohol and Beverage Commission, they only regulate alcohol until 2 a.m. So from 2 to 6, people are allowed to bring their own alcohol in and drink and do are whatever. Are you serious? Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, ma'am. They don't do that here in Vegas. They would get in big trouble. That's called like a bootlegger a party. Okay. That's like a let's go to the bootlegger right. party. <laughs> after hours party, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's like an after hours party. It is. It is. So they can bring um, in their own liquor to the establishments. And are these so these establishments are essentially open until six. Is that what you're saying right now? Right. They were open until six. They were open until wow. six. Wow. And so, so, you know, you showed up and the first segment. What, what happens when you increase vulnerabilities? You increase risk. And so those four hours, you know, the crime rate went up. 33% just at, oh, at topless bars. Of course it did. And 22%. And so, you know, the police are just like, look, we're stretched beyond, you know, capabilities of being able to, to repair our city, you know, repair our budget, uh, protect the citizens who, you know, who may make other calls. You know, we don't have it. And, and because of those risks that were happening with, you know, endangering citizens because the focal point couldn't be on the citizens even though they are citizens what happened is it's like look you're this part of the vulnerability is being exposed but this part of the vulnerability is at risk how can we minimize this and still work together and i think the big thing was is everybody thought that i was there to close the strip club down listen i'm not to, I'm not there to close any establishment down at all. If that's how you want to make your money. Go ahead. What I'm saying is let's work together so that we can have a crime reduction model that benefits both parties. 
You all don't want the police to be in a position to secure the city, secure the taxpayers, secure the citizens, and be available to respond like first responders instead of responding to places that are already increasing risk and vulnerabilities just by being open from two to six. Right. You know, you would think it shouldn't be that hard. But it is. It's hard for some people to comprehend that, that you can work together. And that's what that was about. Well, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you, Nisi. Now, let's get to the real good question. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Because you have a lot inside of you and there's, there's obviously a lot of experience, but with experience, lived experience comes wisdom. Mm -hmm. So can you tell our listeners and our audience right now, what is the best advice you could give someone about life? Okay. And also maybe someone considering this is the second part. Maybe that could be the first going into the sex industry. I will say just from my story alone and and just even from the recovery of how I got my children, your greatest influence is in the place that you want to be in the least. Mm-hmm. That's where Come my on. influence came Say from. that again. Say that again for everybody. Your greatest, greatest influence will come from the place that you want to be in the least. I didn't want to be in court. I didn't want to be living with my traffickers. I didn't want my children living with my traffickers. But because that happened to me and God allowed me to collaboratively work with him and use my story to free people out of bondage, to show people that there's hope and that's academia to my story. And and, and I didn't just cross the country with my story. I cross cultures with my story. That's the very thing that Jesus did. That's who I look up to. That is what I want when I leave this earth. I want to hear the father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is the way I want to be remembered. I will say for just, you know, going into the sex industry, ask yourself per what I just said, When you leave this earth, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want people to respect you in your death? How do you want people to respect you before your death? And is that something that you're even thinking about? You have so much life to give and there's so much more to you. Your your mission is who you are. Your vision is what you see, but your plan is how you're going to get there. And your plan cannot be putting yourself up for sale. You're not a commodity. You're not for sale. You're not for public trade. Slavery is over. And human trafficking is the second slavery. And I refuse and I implore you to not participate in the second slavery. Because you're worth so much more than that. Amen, girl. Listen, I mean, here's the thing. To debase yourself. Now, this is Mm -hmm. what I always say. When I debased myself, I erased myself. I no longer, 
Girl, I was no longer Annie. Annie became this little tiny dot in my body and Fallon took over. And she wasn't the person I would have wanted to leave as the person that died. Uh, you know, mm. and so it, it, it's so great what you say. It It is slavery because I, I know some of you out there are thinking, oh, well, I, I'm just going to do it for two months and I just need to pay a couple bills. Listen, it's it's like quicksand and it's literally like the grave robber grabbing your foot, pulling you down into the, the depths of darkness. And once you get into that place, it's so hard to get out. And I, I just want to thank you, Nisi, for sharing. I know you have one more nugget left, though. You got one more nugget. <laughs> You're going to dig it out. <laughs> what would you say? Anyone. We got about five minutes. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about your website, too. Anyone that okay. wants to help or get involved with human trafficking efforts to stop it. If you really want to get involved with human trafficking efforts to stop it, I will say this. First, give an account of your relationship with the father. Then give an account of your relationship with your husband. So if you're in a partnership with the, you know, with a man or if you're a man in a partnership with a woman, uh, give an account for that. And then give an account for your children. Because working in a space of human trafficking is like speaking um, a second language. You have to know what you know. You have to experience what you experience, but you have to understand everything in your life that is not exposed will be exposed because you're working inside of a demonic confederacy and no demon, no demon mm. is happy with a newbie. You get tested. You will get tried. You will get hurt. You will get ostracized. You get criticized just like the rest of us. And so you, you, you have to understand that you, you will go through the fire, but your job is to not live in the smoke. And if you're living in the smoke, then you're not ready. You're not ready to put your hands on something that God has given sovereign authority for people to deliver people from deliverance is a master key for salvation. Yes. Not not routine salvation. Oh, if you just pray and give your life to God, this is what's, you know, nothing routine. Deliverance is, it, I'm telling you, it is a, it is a work to be performed into the day of Christ. And you got to be in position. You got to constantly be prepared. And that's why I tell people human trafficking isn't just my life story. This is my ministry. I minister human trafficking. And I tell you all sides of the story. And I show you in the Bible where God felt about women, how he felt about women, how he treated women and how women are the second self of God, because we are the only ones who can birth our children. We're the only ones who can birth our people. And that's the first thing God did. I mean, this is the first thing, but that's surely that's something he did was birthed out a person. And the only ones who can do that today are women. And so he gave us that authority. And when we don't see ourselves in God, and when we give other people who don't understand sovereign authority, and they don't see our relationship with God or how much power, how much influence we have, what our social capital is in God, the reason why we get to move in grace the way that we do. What happens is, is you will peddle your influence because you don't have the courage. And sometimes what happens is your talent 
will take you. Your talent will take you. Where your life doesn't have the, 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 the sustainability to keep you in that place. Don't do that. Your talent will take you somewhere where your character will not keep you. And you will realize working in human trafficking that some people are just talented. Some people just Come good on. at writing down stuff about human trafficking. You will see or all reciting that it. Yeah, or reciting, reciting it. it. Or they can remember the numbers and they can remember everything else. What Girl. you won't see is the commitment. And that's mm -hmm. what needs to be challenged. Yes. So some heart. people are just talented, but they're not committed. And that's what Girl. you got to watch them for. The, yeah, I love that. Commitment. You got to be yes. married to it. So if human trafficking is not something you're ready to marry because you don't like going through stuff, you don't like dealing with demons face to face, you don't like <laughs> digging up your past to, to see where something attacked you at or there was some hidden sexual abuse there or sexual assault or uh, anything like that, don't do it. Don't do it because that those demons will attack you because you're helping. You're helping. And when you don't understand sacrifice and you don't have a character to be in this sacrifice, you will implode yourself mm. because you're not ready. So please, Come I implore you, do not let your talent take you somewhere where your character cannot keep you. It's a good word, Nisi. It's a good word. We honor you and appreciate you so much. Tell us, we got 45 seconds. Tell us the website so people can get in touch with you if they want you to speak or share or come visit them and work with you. Go for it. Oh, man. And please speak, share or donate, you guys. Please yeah, donate. donate. So you can, can donate too. work. Yes. We believe in um, her. Thank you so much. Um, Hookers for Jesus donated to Survivors Voice of Victory so that we can continue our work. You guys are amazing and God bless you. We pray a proper reward over your finances and thank you so much. Please, www.nisihamilton.com. www.nisihamilton.com is where you can reach me. Facebook, Nisi Hamilton. Twitter, please follow me. I need as many followers as I can get at Hamilton Nisi and then Instagram, the real underscore Nisi Hamilton. The survivor's voice of victory, Miss Dr. Nisi Hamilton. We love you. And it's been such an honor and a pleasure to have you on Peak Chair today. I'll see you soon, lady. <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you, Pink Chair. Love you, Las God, Vegas. God bless you. God bless. Hi, dear friends. Annie here. Did you know? that we have a nonprofit that serves sex trafficking victims. And how did this come about? Well, that was so simple for me because I am a former trafficking victim of more than a decade in Las Vegas. I had two different traffickers that almost destroyed me and ravaged my soul. But by the grace of God, I sit in this chair today and I can testify that Jesus is real and that my complex trauma and all the pain that I endured got totally solved by the love of God. And I wanted to share this today because we are in very desperate need of donations at our nonprofit. Now, our nonprofit not only does outreach for victims that are hurting, that need to get away from their traffickers, that need resources, but we have a home called the Destiny House, where ladies can dream, discover, and develop into God's perfect destiny 
he has planned for them. We have staff, 24 seven staff. We have trauma therapy, equine therapy. The ladies eat great big meals at the tables together. They go to trauma counseling. They have group therapy counseling. They go to addiction classes. They end up signing up for a vocation college and then they end up getting a job before they leave our program. I am asking you, the one who's watching this, the one who's listening, to please consider to partner with us. Survivor-led nonprofits don't always get good donations. You can go to pinkchair.com and click on donate. Please partner with us. Your donation is tax deductible and you're gonna be saving a life.